Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And welcome into this week's edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway. And with me, as always, Matt Sells at The Salesman on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow for all of your baseball, racing, cooking needs, anything like that, or grilling, I should say, along with cooking. They're, they're separate. So both of those, everything and anything under the sun, at The Salesman on Twitter. Matt, I will be honest with you. I am doing pretty darn good, so I'm going to ask how you're doing, but I think it's going to be very tough to top how I am feeling as we're recording this on a Monday morning-ish. Yeah, your uh, your team that you're repping there with your cap had a pretty outstanding NFL draft. Uh, I switched team allegiances prior to the draft based on a trade that happened with my old team, um, and really I'd been waiting on them for a while now. So uh, I have to say I like what the Chiefs did overall. Uh, my alma, they took a guy from my alma mater and hometown of KC in the first round. So that's, that's a pretty good, feel good story. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, my fantasy baseball team is starting to climb the rankings, climb the standings. So we're good there. I just watched another great showing from Josiah Gray on Sunday. So, uh, doing, doing pretty well against your pirates actually. Yeah, a lot of we'll talk about Josiah Gray a little bit later, maybe not quite super in depth, but he's definitely an intriguing one. But Matt, kind of like I said, I mean, I am doing well. I never thought May 1st, 2023, I'd be able to look at you here and not even laugh because I know I'm joking or anything like that, but to say it's a darn good time to be a Texans and Pirates fan. Never thought I would get to say that. Can't really argue, right? The Pirates have like Mm -hmm. one of the top five records in baseball. Uh, no signs of slowing down for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Texans just came off a great draft. So, yeah, pro- props to you there, sir. Um, we'll see what we say on June 1st. <laughs> but I'm not worried about June 1st. Let, let me enjoy Let me enjoy May 1st. Yeah, you live in say. the moment there, sir. Yes, I'm going to live in the moment. And what a great time it is to be a Texans and Pirates fan. I'm going to say it as often as I can because who knows when I will get to say it again. But, Matt... Of course, we can't go a couple days since we last talked without some injuries. So let's go ahead. Let's start in New York. Probably the biggest fantasy name on the offensive side of the ball with an, a recent injury. Uh, Aaron Judge, hip issue held out over the weekend. I believe, as I said, we're recording this on Monday morning. An IL determination was going to be made Monday or Tuesday-ish, depending on how he's going to hold out. Obviously, you're not dropping Aaron Judge. If he does hit the IL, it can't be too terribly long. 
But is there any long-term concern with Judge, you think, given that it is a hip and how important that lower half is to, you know, the torque and the overall kinesi- kinesiology and the movement of an offensive player's swing? Um, maybe. Uh, it, it's hard to tell. It didn't seem like it was that bad of a hip strain. Um, I think if it was worse, we'd be more concerned. Obviously, they did not put him on the IL immediately, so that's also a good sign. Um, but dang it, if Harrison Bader wasn't injured. I'm just kidding. Seriously, though. Um, I guess they're going to have to recall Franchi Cordero. You're not kidding. I know you're not kidding. Good try. No. I know you're not kidding. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm, I'm not all that concerned about it. I have Aaron Judge in one of my leagues. I'm not that concerned. I left him in there this week, actually. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what... We'll see what happens, but I'm not overall overly concerned. I'm concerned more about the weight that's being put on him from the rest of the lineup not <laughs> not really doing anything. Um, I That's the bigger concern is the entire rest of the Yankees lineup. You mean you don't like the look of a Aaron Judge-less Yankees lineup with all the other great bats they have in there? That's the worst $300 million lineup I think I've ever seen, aside from maybe the one that's across town in New York. (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. Without Aaron Judge, they're going to be fun to pick on for player props, sports betting. That's going to be a really fun team to pick on. Yeah, and their pitching staff can't stop anybody. And when Garrett Cole tries to, Aaron Hicks is like, I got it. No, I don't. Sorry, I can't catch a baseball. Seems like if when Garrett Cole's pitching, those could be some really easy unders in those games. Because if he does his part, we know the Yankees probably aren't scoring. Correct. So something to keep in mind there with Judge. And then former New York arm, uh, now out south, I guess you could say. In Texas, Jacob deGrom came out of the game. He didn't look – he looked off. You could tell when he was walking yeah. up. He knew something was a little – I hate to keep saying off, but a little something was tweaked. Something was a little – a little off, a little wonky there. Said it was forearm tightness. Jacob deGrom in his right arm, as magical and as insane and electric as it is, it's also kind of a squeaky wheel, to say the least. So at this point, we're doing what? We're holding our breath and fingers are crossed, right? Yeah. I mean, until they announce what it is, that's all you can do. And by the way, I got to give props to my wife who watched the, the video on Twitter of the mound visit when they took him out. And Mike Maddox walked up to Bruce Bochy, and you could read his lips, and she correctly said that he said forearm. Um, and if you watch DeGrom's body language in that clip, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows there's something wrong, and he does not want to show a face that says, hey, this might be worse than what I want to lead on. Not saying that it is, but that body language is not <laughs> is not good. And yeah. I don't think it's, oh, no, here we go again. I just think it's... I really don't want to show how badly I'm hurting because I'm a tough guy. Couple, but- a couple of things with that too. So yes, Degrom's body language not good. Secondly, when you watch the clip, I, I believe we're referencing the same clip, but it's the one that's like a little over two minutes, right? The one that yeah. kind of shows the whole thing. So when when the when he gets the ball back and he's walking backward or back to the mound, you can see the catcher knows too. The catcher yeah. knows right away, too, because he's standing there, and you can tell he knows something's up. Then you see DeGrom's actions a little bit later, or you know, seconds later, and you can tell he knows something is off. And then, I guess, thirdly, at this point, so the tweet that you put out saying that you saw it was elbow, you did not attribute that correctly because it was your wife that noticed that. 
My wife, yeah, I said in the tweet, by the way, I did okay. say my wife said that Perfect. if you watch Mike Maddox's mouth, you can see that he says forearm to Bruce Bochy. Um, just making sure you attributed it correctly. Oh, I, I did. Okay, I did. perfect. I just didn't remember that that part of the tweet. Um, didn't see it. Just want to make sure. Yeah, she's the next John Boy. You know, she's going to be out here reading lips. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's her Twitter handle? Let's, let's add her, let's add her as a third year. On she's Twitter. the one to follow, and I can start quote tweeting. She is the oh. sanest one and not on Twitter. So the... <laughs> probably, you know. probably smart. Yeah. Probably smart. Um, but so I don't know. They said that they, you know, they then later said it was like elbow inflammation. I think I saw that they said, I don't know. They took him out because it was a forearm strain, but then they said there was elbow inflammation, I think, mm-hmm. at some point. So maybe the Rangers medical staff is about as good or as hairy as the Mets. <laughs> I don't know. But in all seriousness, I hope he's not seriously injured because I enjoy watching him play. The game is better with him on the mound. Um, but he's got to learn not to throw 100 miles an hour every pitch. And ultimately, you're holding DeGrom because of what you invested into him. And really, at the beginning of fantasy season, where DeGrom was going, this was you were drafting DeGrom was signaling first or worst. That's what you were going for. If he stayed healthy, he would be right. the easiest, best value in fantasy baseball drafts. And if he got hurt, we knew the risks. That's just that's part of the DeGrom experience, unfortunately. Correct. So you hate to see it. Hopefully he's okay, but I'm expecting I'm expecting an IL stint for him, even if yes. it's the minimum time he's going to miss some time. So prepare to be without him for a couple of starts. In Minnesota, Tyler Molly was a guy I really liked coming into this year. Actually, most of the Minnesota rotation is one that I've liked, but there is some trouble in paradise, or I guess I should say Minnesota. Really, so let's go ahead and take a look at the arms here. Let's start with Tyler Molly. He has arguably my award right now for the lengthiest, most detailed injury with a posterior impingement and flexor pronator strain in his right arm. So he's going to be shut down for the next four weeks. No throwing, no nothing for four weeks. And you got to assume what from there? Three to four weeks to get built back up? Probably. So probably about two months missed of action for Molly. Maybe six, maybe six to eight weeks if you're really, really lucky, but probably closer to the end of that timetable, I would say. I I would presume so as well. Um, it, look, it's a blow. Molly's been pretty good for the Twins mm-hmm. since they got him. He's not been like an ace. We can leave that up to Sonny Gray, who might win the AL Cy Young if he keeps pitching this way. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a blow to the Twins, who seemingly can't stay healthy anywhere at this point. They've had a whole bunch of injuries recently, so we're not dropping them yet, unless mm-hmm. something changes. You're just gonna have to ride it out a little bit because he's worth keeping um, as you know an SP three type type arm. And then Kenta Maeda tricep strain. He's already on the injured list, so he's gonna miss at least two weeks of action. So now, I mean, Maeda was okay to say the least he was doing fine that's a blow to the rotation so when you look at the minnesota rotation now top three pablo lopez bailey ober and sunny gray and joe ryan so i guess you have four there that you can count on but now molly and maeda are going to be out for a little bit is there any reinforcements coming for the minnesota rotation that we should even be like half concerned about for like fantasy purposes are there any young arms like do we see um 
the the young righty that they got from Toronto, Woods Richardson, could he maybe come up? It's what what do you think Minnesota does with the back end of this rotation, or do you just try to piece it together for the next couple of weeks? You think? I think Woods Richardson would be the logical choice. You could also go with um, uh, Belazovic. I believe I'm pronouncing correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an option as well, also at AAA. So. Um, I would I would suspect that Simeon Woods Richardson would get the first crack at that fifth spot in the rotation. Um, Paddock's not back for a while, and he can't pitch. So <laughs> even when he's back, the two pitches is not a he's not a starter. In in twelve team, let's say twelve team formats, is Woods Richardson a guy worth picking up? I mean, no, his one appearance this year wasn't great, but it's you know he's young. There's still a lot of talent. I know the tools are there. But is he someone worth in 12-teamers, or do you think that's a bit too shallow for him at this point? I think it's a bit too shallow for him at this point. I mean, you're talking about a pretty good top four in that Twins rotation, so they may just go spot start after spot start after spot start. Um, but, yeah, I, I would first – first got to wait till the move is made to see who they actually call up. Um and then after that, I would see what the leash is before I go and make any any sort of – and it depends on your bench size, right? If you have a deep bench, then maybe he's worth it in a 12-teamer. But if you have a shallow bench and you're counting on starts from everybody, I think you can leave him, leave him be. I think that's the, the way to approach it as well. So deeper leagues, take a look at him. But, you know, it's going to be one of those things. Could just be – he could be the next young arm to come up, look really good after a start or two, and then get sent down. So we will never know. Over at FantasyAlarm.com, we do have the closer grid, which if it's not bookmarked on your browser, phone, whatever you want to call it, that is something you should have as it was just recently updated today as we're recording this May 1st. And when you look at it, I'll tell you what, Matt, we knew this position was a real pain in the you-know-what. It was going to be. It was always going to be. There is not as much green and even yellowish that I would like to see on that grid. So it's color coded based on elite, stable, fluid, or volatile, AKA good freaking luck. So a couple that I want to touch on here, Matt, Pete Fairbanks was the guy I liked in Tampa Bay to be their ninth inning guy. It seems like his Raynaud's uh, syndrome has popped up again. So if I'm not mistaken, that's like the cold tingly numbness in the fingers. Correct. Yes. Yes. If he pitches in the cold, his, he doesn't get enough blood circulation and then therefore his fingers go tingly. So anybody that was freaking out about him, not pitching or coming out of a game seemingly injured, it's, it's a disease. It's a, you know, it's a known thing. And by the way, as we turn into May, I'm not sure it's going to be that big of an issue going forward, to be honest. I mean, sure. Weather can be freaky, but you know, even when we get, you know, to, I don't know, Seattle or Minnesota or Detroit or, you know, the Brewers have a dome. So, you know, um, I'm not that concerned about the cold weather with Fairbanks going forward. Um, but who knows? I mean, Jason, Jason Adam is worth a flyer for picking up some saves here and there, but he's not going to be splitting time with Fairbanks. He he was the one I was interested in gonna gonna ask you about when looking at this the Rays bullpen here. So I mean Jason Adam, I mean he's been pretty good this year. He's got ten strikeouts through ten and third inning. Does have four holes. Is yet to 
accrue that first save this year, 1.74 ERA, that 4.16 FIP is a little scary, but, you know, the Rays tend to do what the Rays will do with their young arms. So would you agree, you know, on the, the closer chart, there's a couple other names there. Uh, Colin, I'm going to say Poche or Posh. 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 Okay. Well, that was my third guess. But, you know, looking at there, he's also on the list as a – as a sleeper guy right now, Adam is listed as a setup man. So if you were hurting for saves and you wanted to take a shot on somebody, it sounds like Adam would be the one that you would look at first. That would be my pick in okay. Tampa. Although, again, I don't think that Fairbanks is going to, you know, outside of pitching in like 40 degree weather, which we're not really going to see that much of going forward. I, I think it's Fairbanks job until he proves he can't do it, which is going to take a lot at this point. I think you're right. Adam would be the one I'm looking at. I know I bid it or I put some bids on him and I think it was TGFBI. I put him in and got him, was able to add him to my, I don't even know if I can call it a stable of closers. I have like Jordan Romano and then a bunch of guys that I hope that can maybe combine for two saves on a given week. So which kind of shows you the state of affairs there, but in LA, this is one that I'm admitting to that I've already gotten wrong. I know it's early, but I'm pretty confident I've already wrong. I was very big on Jimmy Herget to be the guy in the ninth inning for the Angels, especially after Carlos Estevez's rough spring. But it seems like Estevez has at least righted the ship a little bit. He's getting some saves. When you look at it, his main competitions to save at least to begin the year was Herget. He's now in the minors. And then Jose Quijada is on the injured list with uh, elbow inflammation. So he's out of the mix for the ninth. So now when you look at roster resource for this Angels bullpen you're seeing Carlos Estevez who has three saves over the last week or so and then Matt Moore and Andrew Wants are some of the setup guys there and looking at our chart those are the three guys that are mentioned there with Estevez being the main guy so I don't think it's ever going to be a smooth ride with Estevez but he's the one that if you need saves you kind of have to add him and kind of (laughs) albeit in a different sense of the term much like DeGrom we are crossing our fingers and holding our breath every time Estevez comes out for the ninth. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, you're, you're doing that for the entire angels offense, right? Like true. <laughs> if Trout and Otani don't do anything, it's pretty rough, <laughs> rough sailing for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, Estevez has six saves. We can't, can't be laughing at that. Right. That's among the league leaders. Um, his mid one ZRA is, is pretty spectacular. The FIP isn't much worse. A two, three, six FIP. I'd still take that. The X FIP, uh, not great at four, two, two, obviously, but now we're getting into, <laughs> into a couple of steps of analytics here. So, um, he's striking dudes out. Walks are still kind of a concern with him, but you got to deal with the hot arm while you got it. Right. So mm-hmm. like. If he stops getting saves, move on to another dude. I guarantee you by the end of the season, there's going to be another 17 dudes we talk about who could get saves. Absolutely. And then, you know, there's some guys that we talked about. They were maybe other than Fairbanks was a a mid, kind of a mid, well, early to mid guy that you were looking at for the ninth inning. Estevez was just a shot in the dark at the end. But let me ask you about this. Camilo Doval in San Francisco. He was a guy I really liked coming into this year. He was going to be the guy. And when you look this year, I mean, the 1.36 whip is a little higher than what you would like. The 15 strikeouts are still really good. But when you look at his stat cast page, I mean, I don't know where to begin here, Matt. Last year, he was a top six percentile in terms of average exit velocity. And now this year, he's bottom two percentile. Like he is getting hit hard now his xba against him is only 192 but when you look at it 
how long can he really skate by right now if he's going to continue allowing a hard hit rate north of 50 percent do you do you share some of the same concerns with Doval, or is it just one of like hey he's a stable ninth inning guy they, he's got quite a long leash we're going to ride it out i know we're not dropping Doval, but at some point the batted ball metrics have got to start raising some flags and eyeing some concerns, especially when there's no, there's nothing else that's really particularly scary. Like there's no big drop in velo. The pitches are still generating a fine number of whiffs. It just seems like the opponent's barrel is finding the ball more often than not. Yeah. Well, sort of. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag with the vault, right? And it, it's going to depend on what we want to look at. That's going to take a little bit to break down here, but. We look at the ERA, three two seven. Surely that's a jump up from last year's two five three, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though: expected ERA is two four six, so that's nice. FIP is three four seven. XFIP is three three, and his Sierra is three four four. So they're all basically in line. All of the predictive metrics and the eye test metrics tell you he's basically the dude he is, right? Now here's where the hard hit rate comes in. If you look at StatCast, it says 53.8% hard hit rate. Okay. However, if you look at Bangrass batted ball metrics, which take out foul balls, these are only ones put in play, it's 34.6 and his medium percentage is 57.7, which is up from last year. So sure, the soft contact not as great. The hard contact in balls in play is actually not that bad. I mean, it's up from last year, but it doesn't seem to be making a huge difference. And the barrel rate right now is actually lower than it was last year. Last year, according to StatCast, I believe it was a 4.6, and right now it's a 3.8% barrel rate. So uh, I don't know. Are we attributing this to the bouncier ball that's been rumored to be in play because everybody and their mother is homering right now? I don't know. The other thing I, I like about Duvall is that his home park is literally the least friendly hitters park on the planet, right? Aside from maybe Miami, I don't know. But he's got a long enough leash. The Giants are going to be in a lot of close games given the way they've built their team. And all of the ratios are suggesting he is basically what he is. The three two seven isn't terrible for a closer. Not terrible for a starter. It's pretty decent. Sure. Would we love to see the two five ERA he had last year? Yeah, but closers are notorious for not being able to replicate seasons mm-hmm. back to back to back. So I'm not that concerned about the ball. And when you look at it too, I mean Babip is up to three twenty, which is higher than it's been the past couple of years. So maybe it's just a a bit of bad luck. I do love the ground ball rate being as high as it is strikeouts yeah. and ground balls is what you like from guys in the back end of games. Cause it does mitigate some of the risk for the blow up. But like that's why the fly ball closers tend to be a little bit more volatile at times compared to ground ball and strikeout splashes. The other, only other thing that I look at Duvall that could maybe be like, maybe it just needs a little bit of refinement as the year goes on. He is completely, I shouldn't say completely, but I mean, last year he was throwing a slider 43% of the time. It's down to 16% this season. And he's op- he's opting for the sinker and cutter more. So maybe it's just getting adjusted to a, a different pitch mix. Maybe it's just something like that. A little bit of, you know, not getting babbit to death could help. But when you look at it, I mean, if he's going to live with that sinker and cutter as his one-two, 
in theory, one would expect his ground ball rate to be higher because you're throwing a ground ball pitch more often than not. Basically. I so, mean, yeah. Cutters are designed to keep from hard contact because they move off of the barrel when you make contact. And sinkers are designed to just get drubbed into the ground every time. So I would like to see the, the slider go up. And we've seen people have success by bringing their slider back this year. It seems that the guys that are throwing more sliders are having more success. So I don't know if it's a catcher and a pitch mix thing or what, but that is, I, I would, I'm with you. I would like to see the pitch mix change. Yeah. Just a little bit. We don't need a lot, but you know, start working that slider and, and get those strikeouts. So Matt, as we kind of put a wrap on this episode here, I've got a few more minutes left. Some guys that are, I was looking at ESPN's uh, player rater and see who's been rating highly over there of late, just seeing where there are. So I've identified a list here of about six to seven players that are owned in under 20% of ESPN league. So obviously depending on what site might be a little different. Fan tracks typically tends to have higher ownership rates than sites like ESPN and Yahoo. But for the sake of this, we're going to go to ESPN. So for the question, I'm going to ask you if some of these players are worth an ad or not. And we're going to go under the assumption that it's a 12 team league. So obviously I know who you're going to drop is going to have to be involved as well. But for the sake of this, let's just solely look at a 12 team league and let's start in Cincinnati with Nick Senzel. He's got two homers and two stolen bases through 16 games this season, hitting 278 with a 111 WRC plus. Obviously it's a very good home park. Uh, Outfield was a position of a bit weaker to say the least in terms of some fantasy talent, especially in the back end. So is Nick Senzel in his age 27 season, which again, the theoretical prime in a 12 team league, is he worth an addition? I would take a shot on him. Like a couple of things I like a, the 278 average is the highest he's hit so far. If it sticks, obviously it's 16 games, pretty small sample size. Um, but the walk rate is up. Strikeout rate is staying basically where it was last year. ISO's up. Um, Cincinnati's putting up a decent amount of runs per game. Like, they can get hot in a hurry with the guys they have in that lineup. So, I have no problem taking a shot on Nixon Zell. The question is, how are they going to deal with the, uh, I don't know. They got a bunch of bats that play a bunch of different positions. So, you got to be cautious of how exactly they're fitting everybody into a lineup every day. In Kansas City, another outfielder, Edward Olivares, a very talented outfielder, a guy that I've liked in recent years, and I always joked in in years past that he was kind of my favorite guy for a couple of days before they would ship him back to the minor leagues, and he would keep just going back and forth and back and forth between the two. Incredibly frustrating. But through 20 – I'm sorry, yeah, through 23 games this season, two home runs, three stolen bases, already a career high for him. You got to like the 289 average and the 482 slug. When you look at the state of affairs in Kansas City, they need all the thump that they can get in that lineup. So Olivari seems like a guy that me that can stick. His average exit velocity is good. Barrel rate is up from last year. Hard hit rate. 315 expected batting average. Pretty good. I just, when you ask me, they cannot afford to take any sort of meaningful impact out of that lineup because it's hurting. So is Olivares yep. worth, worth, worth an ad in 12-team formats? Yes. Uh, they need outfielders there quite quite a lot. I know Drew Waters was supposed to uh, break camp with the team. He's injured and probably needs – you know, he's going to be out for a bit. Um, and they've got to start seeing what this guy can do at this point. They've got basically no help coming from their farm system right now. They've got <laughs> – no help on their major league roster. So, yeah, I'd roll with all of ours. 
And then one last one here, also outfielder eligibility, but does or should have first base as well, depending on your team. But Lamont Wade Jr. with the Giants is up to five home runs on the season. He's got a 529 slug through 94 plate appearances. I know we talked about it a little bit with Duvall. His home park is leans pitcher friendly compared to, you know, being hitter friendly. But Wade has looked pretty good of late, to say the least, when you look at his recent game logs. And I know they did play over in Mexico, so he did have multiple home runs there, but does have three home runs in his last four games. He's hit safely in all but one of his last seven. So if you need a little bit of offensive help and a little multi-positional flexibility, you know, if you're getting if you're getting burned by the Jose Abreu pick so far, like I have been in a couple of leagues, is Lamont Wade worth an ad for maybe a first base or outfield spot? Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're in a league where you only need 10 games to qualify at a position, he's got both for that this year. He's got 12 for first base and 17 for outfield. So um, I'm perfectly fine with that ad. Here's, here's an interesting stat we don't often come up to at this point in the season. Over 25 games, his walk rate is higher than his strikeout rate. He's walked in 21.3% of plate appearances and struck out in 20.2%. So he's actually walking more than – so in an OBP league, man's got a 430 on base percentage and a 243 average. So, so OBP base, league, yes. If you're in an OBP league, this guy should be – like if he's not, then you need to – if he's not on a roster, you need to switch leagues. I'm sorry. Like I don't know what people are doing. If there's a 430 OBP guy out, <laughs> out there getting every day at bat um, – Yes, they played at Mexico City. And here's the funny part about that. The MLB announced that they had a humidor in the park because they were asked about it. But they had set the humidor to the 29, to the level that it's set for the 29 non-course field stadiums mm-hmm. in MLB. Mm-hmm. You know why that's a problem? Mexico City is 2,000 feet higher than Colorado. Mexico City has an elevation that's 7,350 feet above sea level. So they were playing with a bouncy ball. Yes. That'll do it. They set it for Miami, which is like at sea level. Insane. Absolutely insane. And I think I think they released it the next year in Mexico City. I think it's Houston and Colorado. Yeah. I think is what I saw. They have the humidor fixed by then. <laughs> or turn it up. Who cares? Let's have a little fun. Turn it up a little bit more. Um, two arms, Matt, just to ask you about quick. Gavin Stone, talented young righty, big time strikeout numbers through the minors. Prospects love to get talked up and get added very, very quick. So is Gavin Stone worth an ad? I would say so. The Dodgers need all the pitching help they can get. He's going to make, he's supposed to make his debut start on Wednesday of this week. Um, uh, the only problem is, is Dave Roberts going to let him go more than like four innings at a time? I don't know. They might piggyback him with Noah Syndergaard. I don't think that works. I think you should move Syndergaard to the bullpen and keep Stone in the rotation because he's proven he should be in the majors. Yep. And then Matt, we got about 30 seconds left here. I'm not even going to bury the lead. 30 seconds. Why should Josiah Gray be added in more leagues than not? Yeah, if you look at baseball reference right now, he's in the top 10 in B-War in, among pitchers. Granted, there have been injuries. We've talked about that. There's been a lot of big-name dudes that, like, Verlander hasn't started yet, right? Uh, DeGrom just went down. 
We've seen other big name like Brandon Woodruff hasn't pitched in a while. Corbin Burns has had issues. Scherzer has been suspended. Like a bunch of dudes have had issues. However, the Josiah Gray has a two six seven ERA right now. He's looked spectacular in the last three starts. Uh, his pitch mix is working. His you know he's becoming that front line starter the Nats traded for a couple of years ago in the Scherzer Trey Turner deal. So. Yeah, I, I would I would add him. I would also have Mackenzie Gore's available. I would add him too because that guy's looked spectacular in the same time frame. These youngsters are starting to figure it out. Yep, absolutely. Josiah Gray, big thing. I'll leave you off as well. Kind of mixed in with what you said. The issue with him the past couple of years: home runs, not enough ground balls. Guess what's happening this year? More ground balls. Yeah, you know why he stopped runs. throwing his four seam fastball, which was like a batting practice yep. pitch because it was too straight, right? I think I remember hearing. Yeah, that, there's no spin straight. on it. It's just a straight 90-something mile-an-hour fastball, which everybody can hit. Yep, that is right. So look at Josiah Gray, Gavin Stone, or some top arms to get. If you're in an OBP league, stop what you're doing. Go get Lamont Wade Jr. right now. And, of course, head over to FantasyAlarm.com for all the great content we have there for baseball. Seasonal, daily, Howard Bender's best bets are there all the time. So make sure you are checking that out. If you like racing, at The Salesman on Twitter. If you like grilling, at The Salesman on Twitter. And baseball, he's got you covered there. Give me a follow at Colby R. Conway, and we will see you later this week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.